Our next speaker is Sarah Nagorka. Sarah is a writer, performer, and pharmacist. She is passionate about using the performing arts to explore science, particularly the relationship between medical technology and the human body. She recently produced her second Melbourne Fringe show, Love in the Time of MRSA, a play about antibiotic resistance. She really wants a dog and spends a lot of time thinking about pros and cons of owning a pug. Now, I'm sure there's only pros, so get one. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, Sarah. Thank you. Thank you, Laboratory Story, for um, having me here. So it's actually the first one I've been to, so it's a bit intense to just attend one and start speaking, so bear with me. Um, so tonight we've been asked to talk about villains rather than heroes. This is always a tricky thing to decipher, who actually is a villain, who was a hero turned into a villain by the media, who's a villain and still celebrated as a hero. So I'll just tell the story. So this is a quote from my villain, um, and you might guess who it is. It gave me an inner joy, an open-mindedness, a gratefulness, open eyes, an internal sensitivity for the miracles of creation. I think that in human evolution, it has never been as necessary to have this substance LSD. It is just a tool to turn us into what we were supposed to be. Albert Hoffman on his 100th birthday. <laughs> I don't know what nursing home he was in, but his cake certainly caused a stir, I hear. But yeah, so Albert Hoffman, how many people know about Albert Hoffman? Cool. Um, so who is he? He's, a, he's the spiritual father of the psychedelic community, campaigner for psychedelic research until his death, and the first man to synthesise LSD in a lab. Um, so he's not the one that found the substance or isolated the active, but yeah, the first one to make it in the lab. Um, he called it the medicine, medicine for the soul. So what is LSD and where did it come from? Bear with me here, I'm a pharmacist, not a chemist, so um, if you think anything I'm saying is incorrect or I'm pronouncing things incorrect, incorrectly, just um, feel free to leave. And um, commonly known as acid, lysergic acid itself is not very stable, so therefore what is in use today is what Hoffman synthesised, can't say that word, which was lysergic acid diethylamide. Okay, so originally since... I can't say the word tonight, synthesised in 1938 from ergotamine, which comes from an ergot, a grain fungus that typically grows on rye. I was first exposed to this when I was eight years old. Um, I didn't grow up in a hippie community. I grew up on a farm. So we had sheep and cattle, and we used to plant ryegrass to supplement their normal grass-eating stuff. And um, very occasionally, conditions were just right so that a fungus would grow in the ryegrass. And um, the sheep would eat this grass. And essentially what you suddenly got was a whole field of sheep um, tripping out. And it was, or tripping over as it was. It, it's called ryegrass staggers. And basically they just run around in circles until it gets tighter and tighter circles until they just fall over. And um, it sounds funny, but we actually lost a lot of... Um, a lot of sheep and sometimes cattle as well. You had to dig a trench and put the sheep inside it so that they could sort of not fall over but still use their legs. <laughs> Very weird. Um, 
Anyway, that's one of why I'm interested in LSD for one reason. The other thing is, my grandma was a Hoffman, so I think we might be related. Um, or the, the only time I've tried to synthesize anything was um, at uni doing pharmacy. Um, and I was the only one out of 100 people in a, in a lab one day whose aspirin turned pink. So I don't like my chances. Um, although, a quote that helps my cause from the man himself is, um, if I had worked 100% safely and taken all proper precautions, then we would not be here today. So sometimes it pays not to be perfect. He was, of course, referring to the fact that he discovered the effects of LSD by accidentally absorbing a small amount through his fingertips. Gloves? What gloves? <laughs> anyway, Mr Hoffman. Born in 1906 in Switzerland, he was always a trippy kid, even from a young age. He would go wandering in the woods, enjoying the natural high of nature. He described having intense mystical experiences, even as a child. And later in life, he said, a chemist who is not a mystic is not a real chemist. At school, he was an all-rounder, but particularly loved the arts and looked set for a career in the area. So when he revealed he was indeed going to be a chemist, his teacher's response was, a chemist? What, are you going to make poison for the next war? That's actually what Wikipedia said, I think. Um, yes, he was, because he was perhaps the founder of the longest-running longest war, the war on drugs. Dun dun. Um, yeah, I never want to belittle the effect of drug abuse on families and society, but I merely want to tell the story of a guy who believes strongly in the thing he made. So, unprepared, unperturbed, whatever that word is, by the teacher's vote of no confidence, Hoffman went on to work for Sandoz. In 1938, he synthesised LSD, but then he just put it aside for five years. In 1943, when investigating compounds that might improve circulation, he revisited it. While resynthesizing re it, he accidentally absorbed a small quantity through his fingertips and discovered the effects. This is from his diary. Affected by a remarkable restlessness, combined with a slight dizziness. At home, I lay down and sank into a not unpleasant intoxicated-like condition, characterised by an extremely stimulated imagination. <laughs> In a dreamlike state, with eyes closed, I found the daylight to be unpleasantly glaring. I perceived an uninterrupted stream of fantastic pictures, extraordinary shapes with intense kaleidoscopes playing with colours. After some two hours, this condition faded away. He decided some days later to deliberately ingest 250 micrograms of LSD-25. 250 micrograms being what he considered a low dose. It wasn't. <laughs> a low dose is more like 20 micrograms. Yeah. This is how um, we came across um, to have Bicycle Day. It's not something that the inner north of Melbourne invented. Um, it's, it's to um, celebrate the day that he took this and began to feel the, feel the effects of the LSD. And he had to ask his assistant to escort him home um, on his bike because it was wartime and they weren't allowed to use um, cars. Along the way, he begged some neighbours for some milk as an antidote to what he'd just taken. However, when the neighbour came out with the milk, he could barely take it from her as he thought she was a witch. <laughs> as you do. Um, he underestimated the potency of LSD greatly. 
But because of its intense effects and the way it made him so introspective, he couldn't imagine anyone wanting to take it for fun. So he never predicted what would happen. Um, it's important that I differentiate at this point. Um, he didn't actually discover like the compounds and stuff. Um, the Greeks, Native American, Indians, Mexicans have been using these kind of things for ages in different forms. Hoffman was particularly into Mexican culture. He studied ma magic mushrooms and Mexican morning seeds um, and all sorts of stuff. He and his wife had a small obsession with um, Mexico and I'd like to think if he lived in Melbourne he would have been at Trupi Taco quite a bit. Um, so, so where to after this first trip? Well, Sandoz, of course, who was still working for, um, took it to America. Here it was used for all sorts of things, to treat alcoholism, pain and anxiety, to give the terminally ill a connection to the spiritual, psychotherapy and psychoanalysis. Sorry. Um, and through the 1950s in America, undergraduate psychology students took LSD as part of their education, which I think we've talked about already. Um, it was popularised further in the 60s by individuals such as the psychologist Tim Leary, who encouraged American students to turn on, tune in and drop out. <laughs> this created a whole countercultural uh, counter of drug use. As a side note, this guy, Leary, um, later in life was sentenced to 30 years in prison for possession of half a marijuana cigarette. Oh. Yeah. Um, even the CIA were onto it which we've also talked about. Historian Martin Lee, author of Acid Dreams, explains, CIA, the CIA conducted secretive MK Ultra tests with LSD on the pretext that if it didn't explore its potential for war as a way to inca incapacitate the enemy and brainwash prisoners, then the Russians would. There was, there was over a decade of legal and illegal testing where they dosed unsuspecting doctors and servicemen dubbed CIA space cowboys. <laughs> and there were even plans to dose the punch at the 1954 CIA Christmas party. <laughs> I love that. Ah, famous people who tried it. Um, Aldous Huxley, Steve Jobs, the Beatles, the inventor of the mouse, <laughs> yeah, I knew something was up. I use a trackpad. I'm not into mice. Um, even Francis Crick, the co-discoverer of DNA, was inspired by his use of LSD at Cambridge. Many of these people went on to become acid evangelists. Do you know what an acid evangelist is? <laughs> Me neither. Um, so when exactly did LSD become bad and tar poor Albert with this villain brush? Well... Trials and clinical studies were happening, but increasingly marred by unconventional self-administration by researchers. <laughs> and then there was the fact that it was psychedelic, a term coined by Humphrey Osmond. They made this little ditty. To fathom hell or saw angelic, try a pinch of psychedelic. <laughs> the problem with a pinch of LSD is it's very, very potent. And this led to increasing reports of bad trips, anxiety, psychotic crises, and traumatic flashbacks for those who weren't in the know of how to use it correctly. Um, embarrassed, Sandoz let the patent drop in 1965 and pulled all their research funding. Um, boop -doo -doo. Although it is not considered addictive, it is marked with a high potential for abuse and no medicinal purpose, which something which Hoffman peacefully contested for the rest of his life. 
So it was banned in 1966 in California and the rest of the world followed. Never mind, LSD wasn't the only thing on Hoffman's fingertips. After getting a good rap in Time magazine, magic mushrooms became the flavour of the day. And again, working under Sandoz, so totally legit, Hoffman isolated one of the active compounds, psilocybin. Did I pronounce that correctly? Psilocybin, 1958. So skip a big chunk of his life because I'm running out of time and he died in 2008 at the age of 102, still campaigning for LSD's place in modern life and modern medicine. He would be pleased to know research has recently recommenced at Harvard. They're testing LSD for treatment of cluster headaches, migraines and pain and anxiety in the terminally ill. So perhaps he's not such a villain. Without him, we would perhaps not have the book Brave New World, the song Let It Be, and God forbid, no MacBook Pros. <laughs> if you want to learn more, he has an autobiography called LSD, My Problem Child. <laughs> I leave you with a quote that sounds like it's straight out of Breaking Bad, except with LSD. And I'd like to see someone say this next time a police officer like raps on their door of their acid lab somewhere. LSD just came to me. I didn't look for it. LSD wanted to be found. It wanted to tell me something. Thank you.